Hello, and welcome back to Industry Town. Uh, thanks for being here. We are at the end of the journey. This is the last of the voiceover focus that we're doing. Um, I hope you've enjoyed them. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen yet, please go back. So many awesome conversations. Uh, people talking about just starting out in voiceover, experts in the field, uh, agents, uh, people who work in audiobooks, commercials, animation, all of it. Um, so, so much great information. And we are going to, we're going to close it out with a real barn burner here. We got a two-part episode for you with two women who are just crushing it behind the mic all the time. Um, first up, Rebecca Davis is an award-winning voiceover actor known for her versatility and range, as well as, and get this, I think this is the coolest thing, she's the first female nominee for a Golden Trailer Award for Best VO in over a decade. She does it all. I remember she used to be the voice for Pandora Radio. She, um, she does commercials, animation, promo, all of it. We met back at UCLA. I was an undergrad. She was an MFA. We've done tons of theater together. And I got a front row seat to seeing Rebecca change her career focus from on stage and on camera to voiceover. And the thing about it is Rebecca is so good and so smart about her craft. She uses that MFA knowledge really well that she's so excellent at explaining how you take your acting training and you bring it to voiceover. Um, I find that she's just an awesome voice and perspective for that. So that's where we're going to start today. And then in the second half, we have a straight up animation legend coming on the podcast. Uh, Debbie Derryberry is going to be on the pod. If you uh, if you don't know that name, she has over 300 IMDb credits and uh, she is the voice of a little show you might have heard of called Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. In fact, she's the voice of Jimmy uh, throughout that whole show and the uh, movie that they released that I believe got nominated for an Oscar. So yeah, Debbie Derryberry is going to be here and she's going to talk about working in animation and uh, how you find character voices and what it's like to be the lead of a show like that. So we got a big one, a great one coming up. So let's get to it. Here is Rebecca. Lock it up. Very quiet and still. Ready. Scene one, take three, A mark. Rebecca Davis, welcome to Industry Town. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, Rebecca and I have been friends for so many more years than that makes sense in my head. Going back right? to UCLA, Los Angeles Ooh. Theater Ensemble. We've done theater in Edinburgh. We yeah. Have, we we have traveled lived, the world together. We've traveled the world. So um, anyway. We've done a lot of theater here, too. Seriously? Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, ensemble. Yeah, God, that takes me back. But today, I want to talk about voiceover. Um, I yes. still remember, I don't, how long ago? I don't, I'm not quite sure. But I remember you called me because you had some questions about voiceover one magical day and we met and we chatted about it because i've been doing it for a little bit by that point and then lo and behold you started working more than almost anyone i know in the industry and crushing it and really carving out such a beautiful niche that just seems to fit you so perfectly and so i just think there's a lot of wonderful stuff to hear about so i'd love to just first ask during pandemic during mm-hmm. this wonderful time, are you, are you still working? Are you what is what is the life like for you right now? Yes, I'm. I'm very thankful to still be working. Um, one of the things with voiceover is that a lot of us were already prepared for not you know, necessarily. I'm prepared for this, but I already work from home. I already have a voiceover booth. I have Source Connect, which for those of you who don't know, it's a way to connect with people all around the world and the country. So our audio 
directing sessions live. So I already had all of that set up, which I know in the very beginning, a lot of people didn't have that and they were scrambling to get things uh, together, which I'm sure was extremely challenging in the beginning. Also, things were a little slow in the beginning, but then all the commercials started, you know, in these unprecedented times. How many versions of that have you done? (laughs) Oh my God. I swear almost every day I was getting an audition for that. Uh, Like, and it got to a certain point where you were like, if I have to say these words one more time. Someone even put together. One more time, I'm taking a shot of tequila. Oh my God, that would make for some real good takes. <laughs> I think somebody even put together um, a video with all of the different commercials that were doing that. And then it turned right after that. I think the advertising agencies got like got a hold of that and they're like, oh no, we need to change our advertising now. And things started to switch. It was really fascinating. Real quick. To watch. So what is the what's the new vibe now? Now it's like and it doesn't hey, happen. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? That's not happening. We're back. We're coming back. You know, it's just more brighter. That car. Earlier. Will you drive anywhere? No, but do it. Yeah, but do it. Yeah. That car. It'll make you feel normal. You'll feel Is good again. Is that the tagline? You'll feel good again. <laughs> It'll make you think it's 2016 all over again. Great. You'll be happy. No, it's it's great. Like those commercials, and then animation started realizing, oh, we can work from home too, because guess what? We can still write and we could still direct and we can still animate. We could do all of it. And then video games, like everyone just started catching on and calling out to people that had their home studios. And I was really, um, it was kind of surprising to find out a lot of the, like the big heavy hitters didn't really have a lot of uh, set up home studios the way some of us who have already been working um, independently because they get to go to the studios and do all this stuff. And we still go to the studios, not during COVID, but um, it was really fascinating to watch what was happening. And also there were companies sending equipment, yeah. um, which so was do you, do you get some fun toys? Awesome. I did. I didn't get to keep <laughs> them. Um, and uh, a shout out. They said that I could talk about it. Um, Horseless Cowboy uh, that does a lot of... ADR and uh, dubbing for different uh, international shows. Um, They were one of the first ones that sent me equipment and it was awesome because I still have, you know, I got the Sennheiser, I've got the fancy mics, but they wanted everybody to sound the same. So we all had to be on the same type of mics. And so they, (laughs) this, this person arrived with two suitcases and a big bag, um, like the night before my session and inside of it was a microphone, a mic stand, um, a computer, an interface, a giant screen so that I could be doing the ADR live. So How I could easy see was everything. it to hook all that shit up? I think like I get Ikea furniture and I'm sometimes like, yeah. hey, this is going to be a while. <laughs> Dude, I hear you. If I didn't like... I looked at all of it and was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Um, But then I got an engineer the night before who literally we got on uh, FaceTime and he just walked me through everything. And I'm like, here's what my booth looks like. Oh yeah, let's use that instead. He was saying there are so many people that they just had to use uh, big moving blankets and stuff like that. And it took us a good hour to set it all up. But they had the, the, like in one of these suitcases, they had the computer in foam and then the the focus right was like everything was carved out 
with letters of where this connects to this connect. And everything came out of the suitcase with all these wires. Wow. Oh my God. It feels like, like a, the dream, like Apple product on steroids or like yeah. suitcase in the assassin movie that I was just the right. giant gun that assembled. And... <laughs> you like feel Very like fancy. a fucking badass. Seriously. And then afterwards, somebody came and picked it all up. It was just like, <laughs> okay, cool. Let's wow. keep doing it this way. What a weird world we live in now. I want someone to We do really do. And then we're doing, I'm doing uh, sessions uh, via Zoom, also ADR stuff where I'm recording my end, they're recording their end. I'm watching the, the videos that I'm trying to match, but with that, it's on my little iPad and, Oof. you know, it, 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 things that we never really realized we could do at home. Like that, I always thought was the most challenging. Like, how are you going to do that? They figured it out. Seriously. I mean, John and I talked a lot about like, how could we ever do online classes? And we thought, well, you could host videos, you know, communities, but could you ever get somebody to do an acting class over a computer? And we, uh, that was the one part where we thought, no. And now like, that's our whole business and it works shockingly well. Is it? Like on that side, I don't know about the... Well, I mean, I think there's got to be a wide variety of opinions on that, I'm sure. Yeah. But everything has a silver lining. I mean, I miss being in a room with people and there is something to that. Don't get me wrong. But it's hard when you're in a room with 15 people to not play to the room, to honor the close-up, to honor the stillness of a set. And like now, people do have a camera that they're interacting with. People who normally all of a sudden they get like weird when they're performing in a room, they all start having tics and they forget what to do with their hands. And no one has that when they're in their home and the camera's right there. Like no one, that goes away when you're actually on a set and this is closer to it. Um, So there's certain things that get revealed that I really love. And also just seeing people at home. There's something very intimate about it and honest about it. In our element, like, oh, what's behind me on my Zoom camera? Oh, maybe I should move that. Yeah. Oh, that picture? Oops. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't want anyone to see that. But then it's just like, oh, you wear a nice shirt and sweatpants. Yep. And (laughs) if you're lucky, sweatpants. If you're lucky, pants at all. I like to anchorman it personally while I'm teaching class. Tie and business on the top. Ron Burgundy on the bottom. Here um, we go. We're good. Okay. Let's go back in time. I want to know about yes. what got you to really say voiceover. That might be for me. And then going from that idea to actually building a career in it. Like, t- take me back. Okay. Um, I will give you the shortened version because it spans over many years. Um, short version. I was living in Austin, Texas, and uh, my agent said, I'm going to send you on this audition. It's for anime. I didn't know what that was at the time. Um, went in there, was like, oh, this is super fun. Booked my first job and then worked with these guys for like six months to a year before I left. Um, and was I loved it. I was in love with it. Um, and then I took a voiceover class in Austin and was just in love with it even more. But at that time, we couldn't, <clears throat> years ago, we couldn't, uh, <laughs> this wasn't existing, this microphone sure. at home bullshit, not bullshit. This wasn't existing, this, you know, this new normal. Setup. Oh, <laughs> yeah. ding, 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 oh! ding, ding, take the shot. There it is. First time. Okay, okay. okay. I need to, when okay. this is done, I'll take a shot. Um, <laughs> so fast forward to, I moved to LA to go to grad school where we met at UCLA. Mm-hmm. UCLA. And um, I got put in my 
you know, you're in that grad school bubble and all you're doing is working and studying and working and studying, rehearsing and blah, 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 blah. And I sort of lost track of that, what I loved. And then um, after grad school, I was doing on camera and, you know, working the side jobs, yada, yada, yada. And it was doing okay. I got to pay off a lot of debt, which was great, but I wasn't happy. Um, and, uh, I did this, uh, artist's way group. And if you're not familiar with it, it's great. Um, and by the end of the 12 weeks, people kept saying to me, you keep talking about voiceover because you do a lot of soul searching and like, what makes you happy? What do you love? And I just kept bringing it up. And, uh, it, it took somebody else to say that to me of, well, why aren't you doing what you remember loving? And it's just something just clicked because I wasn't enjoying on camera. You know, you get the call from your agent of like, go down to Santa Monica five o'clock and like your heart sinks. You're like, I hate this. You know, (laughs) for me, that's what it was. Some people love it and thrive and that's great. Everybody has a different, you you know, opinion. You were in touch with that this wasn't making, or that the on-camera version was not making you that happy or do you feel like you somehow were unaware that that was your experience of it? Like, was it denial or was it not being, or not being in touch with it? Um, a combination. Like, I knew it wasn't making me happy, but I felt like I'm in Los Angeles. I graduated with my MFA in acting. This is what I should be doing. This is what I'm, this is the next step I'm supposed to be doing. Gotcha. And, you know, I was still doing theater and, you know, we were, and that would yeah. fill my soul. Um, and I guess I didn't realize how unhappy I was until I started doing what I really loved. And then I realized, oh, okay, yeah, I get it now. And I wasn't trying as hard as I probably could have because it just felt like this chore in a way. Well, you're in a uh, medium. You know, it's like it's a, it's yeah. a medium adjacent. It's a medium you can do well in. But it's yeah. like, this is the one you, you love. Yeah, I, mean, I literally just got the chills when you said that. I still like think about that. And I'm like, I... I I'm so happy I made that step because after that, I basically took all of my money and my resources and my energy and said, well, I'm going to put this into voiceover now and, and just like shut that part off, you know, and I was still doing like touring children's theater and teaching and like all this stuff while trying to get my career going. And I mean, bless my husband who then was the, wait, were we married yet? I don't know. Oh God, I'm a horrible person. I don't remember. <laughs> I think you probably were. I think I, you probably well, we were. were still living in. Yeah, maybe. But we, <laughs> you're probably right. But he said to me one day, he's like, look, you're spending all this time in all these other jobs and you're, you don't have enough time to pursue voiceover the way you want to. So let's just make that happen. Like, I'll, I'll work harder right now because I was working like 60 hours a week to support us. And then he took some of that on and gave me the chance. And then I haven't looked back and That's just amazing. like studied, studied, studied and absorbed everything I possibly could in the beginning until I felt like, okay, I know what I'm, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing now. I mean, there's always more to learn as you know, like we're always sure. going to take classes and we're always going to soak it up, uh, get with the trends, keep up with the times. But uh, yeah, that short version turned into a long one. Quick break to tell you guys about Industry Town's newest partner, the Headshot Truck. They are open for business. They have extensive COVID-19 protocols in place to make sure that you can have a safe shoot. Look, the Headshot Truck... um, 
they're awesome. It's run by a great friend of mine, and he spent a lot of quarantine trying to figure out what is it that actors actually need um, when it comes to headshots that isn't really being offered right now. And they came up with a bunch of great stuff. The first one is the unlimited looks package, where if you need a whole bunch of new looks, you got a new rep, or you need you got a whole new look, and you need a bunch of new shots, this is it. It's infinite looks. So it's a great place to start. If, on the other hand, you just need, I don't know, one shot here, one shot there, I don't need to do a whole session, they've come up with a subscription package. So you pay a low monthly fee, and then I think it's you get six looks throughout the year kind of whenever you want them. So do check those out. It's safe. It's awesome. It's great for your career. Um, and you get a promo code for listening to the podcast. Use the promo code INDUSTRYTOWN, one word, INDUSTRYTOWN, and save 10%. Book that session today. Okay, back to Rebecca. No, that short version was great. <laughs> I want to I wanna build on it a little bit. So sure. a lot of people ask me about getting started in voiceover, mm-hmm. you know, casually. She's like, well, and almost always it's this. I was thinking about doing it, uh, some instance of having some fun with it at some point in their life that I really believe, whether it's, you know, I, I did these voices or I got an opportunity once or it always sounded fun or, you know, something. And yeah. then, it'll, then it'll inevitably follow up, like, do you know, like, a one-month class where I can get my demo done? Oh. And, that's, and that's the thing. And I feel like that, look, I, I don't begrudge anyone who says it because I know they don't quite know what right. the piece is that they're missing that's actually a pretty significant learning curve between those two. Can you talk to me about what's between I, I'm maybe interested in voiceover and I want to do my demo? Like, what yes, should someone um, do between those places? Between those two, blah, 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 blah. Between, I talk for a living. Um, between those two parts is, is go right into studying. That is the first thing you have to do. Is It's like saying, um, so I want to speak Japanese. So I can just take like a three-week course and, and then I can go and be fluent, right? Like it, it, it's, you have to study and learn. And especially because we have so many different genres. And in the beginning, I realized that there were different teachers that gave me different things, basically. That like this one approach, you know, it's with, with acting. It's like Uta Hagen, Stanislavski, like which one? Well, that might not work for you, but that works for you. And so you need to get in there. And, um, you know, I will admit, I cut my first demo too early. Like I was rearing a go. I think it was like maybe I was like a year into classes and I, I look back on that first demo and I'm like, that was shit. <laughs> like, what did I do? Um, because you only get one chance to make a first impression. And I was fortunate. I did get an agent from that, but I got an agent because somebody referred me really at the end of the day. But it, uh, you've got to figure out who you are and where you fit in with what, are the, what the trends are before you can just put a demo together and like there are some and it's hard because it is an investment and it's like you're investing in yourself and demos are expensive and I understand that but don't put a demo don't have your friend Sally put together a demo in their basement where the acoustics are horrible and nothing is there like you just you got to put the time and money into that and it's money it's 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 what we do um, if we if we use okay. the, the the jap the Japanese learning Japanese example though, I feel like people have a better sense of what it is they would learn if they did a four year course learning Japanese. They'd be like, okay, 
I understand that there's like this alphabet that I don't know. I'm going to need to learn. There's vocabulary and grammar and uh, colloquialisms and on mm. and on and on. There's like tools of grammar and language that everyone already knows. And I feel like with voiceover, it still feels more elusive to people. And so yeah. I feel like that's what I want to kind of identify a little bit is there's a lot of what you were saying of just like, where do you fit? And do you know how to sell a car without being overly selly? Do you know how to use yes. your instrument in a way to bring intimacy or to bring broad comedy? Do you know how to partner read? Do you know how to yes. endure a session? Do you know how to take a note? <laughs> Do you know what? There's so many pieces. And so I'm trying to think like, what are, what are some of the ones that I haven't gotten out there? What are some of the things that people learn really early on about copy that I feel like maybe, I think a lot of people think, oh yeah, you just read it, right? Right, so right. Terms, so what are some words. of those foundational things that, because you had an MFA in acting, you knew how to act, right? That was that training. <laughs> no. I mean, there's always more to learn, but like no. you, that was a skill set, right? Yeah, so absolutely. So what things did you have to add to that that you did not start with? Um, do you mean like uh, bringing that, but knowing, like when I got behind a microphone, translating some of that yeah like so you get into your voiceover classes and you're saying i did a year of study and my demo wasn't even really i shouldn't have cut it yet what things did you still have to learn um i think well honestly for me it was probably a little bit more confidence in that to be big flat out honest yeah i i don't think i was fully confident in it and i think you could kind of hear some of that and i think i was still a little more announcing because there is something where your brain you know, you haven't memorized this stuff. And so your brain is reading it, but you still need to be in it. You still need to believe it and be experiencing it. And when we're talking about commercial animation, video game, I mean, they all have a different bit of an approach, Um, but you still need to be experiencing it and not reading it. And with copy, it's, it's very similar of, you know, we're doing a monologue. Well, who are you talking to in this monologue? What just happened right before? What, you know, what are your given circumstances? Where are you? Because I'm going to talk a lot different if I'm sitting at a cafe than if I am just on the edge of a bed with my best friend. And so it's about believing that and making it believable. And also like, honestly, mic technique, (laughs) you know, then when I cut my demo, thank goodness I knew it. But when I first got to it, I, I was really loud because Rebecca is loud and talks with me. <laughs> Brian can see me right now and he knows I'm Talking very energetic and I talk with my hands and I express and putting that into your voice and learning that, you know, <laughs> you can't move around and bang shit, <laughs> which I still forget. I keep a, <laughs> I keep a file of my bloopers when I'm recording. Oh, amazing. Just, just for myself, for shits and giggles. And there are so many of them where you just hear boom. I'm like, ow. Because I'm in a little booth. And when I'm in the studio, I can, you know, move my yep. hands however I want. But I boom, boom, I forget. There's lots of burps and really wonderful noises on there. Um, where was I? I lost my So we're learning mic that. technique. We're learning. Right. And we're also learning, I think, you know, you were, you were hitting it a little bit. Like, where do you fit? And so commercially, oh, yeah. what do you, where do you feel like you fit? Can you like give voice to that? Yeah, uh, it changes, honestly. Um, I, my demographic, I feel like very recently changed where I am more the mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, if I was doing commercials, I'd be getting auditions for the weird soccer mom or the best, you know, weird best friend. Um, but I mean, audition on camera commercials, I mean, but that right. translates into animation. I'm still doing 
those things with animation, but commercially now, you know, I kind of have to face the fact of like, I'm not Gen Z. I'm not, I, I, you know, I think I could voice that, but I'm not connecting with it the way I would naturally do if you were in that category. Um, but yeah, the mom, the, the comforting one, the, the best friend that's there for you in terms of commercial, the one that um, speaks from the heart. Um, that's been you the like stuff that I've been booking. That you like couple? find, that you like this like emotional kind of pocket that you f- fall into, that you find like yeah. that's the, that is the thing that is authentically me that pops through the microphone to the listener. It's that magic combination of the two, right? Authenticity. That is the word that is so important uh, with voiceover and with, with commercial, um, with everything. But commercial is you just need to be your authentic self because you could try and put on this voice and try to do a, what, what it was, used to be like chocolate. And it's, it's put <laughs> on. And I recently was listening to a casting director talking about, um, about that, about being your authentic self um, from Sound and Fury, which is a great casting office. And they were like, look, if you're funny, then you're funny. If you're not, then you're not. Don't try to be funny because we can hear you trying. I was like, oh yeah, great reminder. You know, and I think for me also, I excel in uh, partner reads. You brought that up earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, That seems to be a lot of the stuff commercially that I've booked because I just love playing with people. Yeah, it's fun. You can play with somebody. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you crave right now in these unprecedented times. We're craving other people. (laughs) So if we could put a, if we could say like the purpose of the training, that there's some technical you need to learn. And if you don't feel like you know your way around a mic, then you need to learn that. If you don't know the tropes of the industry, that's a thing to learn in in class before you're making your demo. But then there's also just the thing that's probably the same as on camera, which is you are training to learn how to be your authentic self in the medium. And if you can't do that yet, if you get copy and the first thing that comes out is an announcer voice or some version of you that you think they want then that's what you're supposed to be training for, to find yourself in this Pop-Tart ad. Yeah, and not always trying to give them what they want. You bring yourself and then they'll see if that's what they want. I yeah. think that's, yeah, you, you nailed that there. I think that that is, bring so, yourself. So not as an official endorsement, but where did, can I ask where you studied voiceover? I feel like uh, there's so yes. many classes oh, and so people many. feel overwhelmed by it. And oh, I'll be honest, course. Uh, a big turnoff of the industry, I find, is uh, voiceover classes are more expensive than other classes. I, I don't even look at on-camera classes anymore. They are. I had no idea. Oh, they, I find them by, on average, like $100 more. Like significantly. Oh, wow. Because you're, well, you're paying for specialized space. You are paying mm-hmm. for an engineer to be there. An engineer. Yeah. There are oh, just, right. okay. It's fair. And like, look, there are voiceover workout groups that are awesome. Oh, yeah. But that's more like a rehearsal rather than class a lot of the time. I mean, there's some learning, but it's not quite the same as being in the booth. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. So workout. Oh, sorry. Go yeah. On. So tell me, where did you train? Um, I trained. Um, voice caster was my, I think they were my first commercial voiceover class. Oh, no, no, no. Calmanson and Calmanson was my very first uh, commercial class with Scott Holst, who now is like a colleague. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Um, and then I went to VoiceCaster and took a couple levels there. And at the end of my first class with them, I approached the teacher and I was like, do you think I'm ready? 
like, I feel like I'm ready to cut my demo now. And he said to me, like, I, I'm, and I'm so grateful for this. He's like, you need another class. And, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily you need to take my class again, you know, and I did take it with him because I loved him, but I still went on to take other ones. But I appreciated that honesty because I don't think a lot of people are honest about that kind of stuff. Um, so I studied with them. And then I went back and took another class with Kalmanson and Kalmanson again. Um, I studied with Bob Bergen, who, those of you who don't know, is the voice of Porky Pig and is also an incredible human being. Like just being around him, not even talent. He's just good people. And I feel like the voiceover industry is full of that, which we can talk about if you want. But, um, and I studied with him. And then I studied with Jody Gottlieb working on promo and Jeff Howell and Dave Walsh. I'm still, like, I'm still studying with a lot of these people. Um, and I think a lot of people, oh, and Mary Lynn Wisner, I'm like shouting out to people um, because they're all amazing. And one of the things that I do tell people um, when people are starting out and they're like, well, I just want to get a coach. And I say, go take a group class first because you are going to learn so much from watching the other students in the class and watching how the teacher engages with them and watching their mistakes and also their wins. You learn so much from that. And then when you're ready, do the one-on-one. I mean, the money works out the same way. Um, yeah. I know I've studied with more, but that's been over like a decade. I just love hearing that someone who works is saying, I studied with a lot of people. I didn't take one class. It wasn't a one and done. It wasn't. And you're also someone who has a, an MFA. So it's also mm-hmm. not uh, that you had to learn how to act. And what, no, this is just adding the voiceover component. And this isn't to say don't do it, but it is to say if you are, respect it like really recognize the commitment you're going to make and that it needs for it to be worth your time or else, you know, put your time somewhere else because half-assing it isn't going to get it. Yeah. It's a long-term commitment. And there's also, um, you know, workshops that you take with casting directors and voice directors and and things like that. I know in the on-camera world, there was a whole bunch of stuff weird stuff going on with that for a while that I still don't really fully understand what was going on. But I know in the voiceover world, it was very different. Um, And it still is, but yeah, there's just lots of organizations. And and like you said, voiceover workout groups that it's like a voiceover workout group is like, okay, I've lost all this weight and I'm starting to tone my muscles. Well, I want to keep toning them. I want to keep my muscles fresh for that one day where I have to do a thousand pushups or something. (laughs) It keeps you on top of your shit. So talk to me about, you get um, an audition, it comes in, Mm -hmm. what kind of prep are you doing before you actually start laying down your audition? Um, I sometimes approach things differently, it kind of depends on the day for me. (laughs) Um, uh, Sometimes I will take it and I won't read the specs, I won't read the direction, and I'll just, sometimes I'll just lay it down cold without even reading the script beforehand. Uh, Sometimes I will read the script and then go in and record just to see where my instincts come into play. Um, And sometimes the cold read, um, and then if I've read the specs and do a cold read, ends up being the one that I use because I'm not thinking about it. I tend to like, I know my pitfalls. I tend to overthink, overthink. my shit. Yeah. And then I start acting. <laughs> you know, it's like, sometimes it's just me reading in terms of commercial. Like, it's just there. With animation, I'll, I'll do the same thing. And then you go and you see the specs and you're like, oh, I was 100% off, but I played with it. And I know what's going on now. Um, 
so those are kind of the different, you know, in video games, it's the same thing. It's the different approaches um, that I take. And I do a lot of research. I've always been kind of like a research person. Um, but if I get something that's in animation, I try to find out, okay, what, what is this? Is it something that already exists? And then I look at it and I'll watch a few episodes to see the styles or it doesn't exist. Well, okay, it's been announced. Who wrote it? Oh, these are the other things that person wrote. Okay. I get their style or like with video games. They don't, they don't tell us anymore what things are. Sometimes you don't even know until you walk in the job. <laughs> and you're like, oh, and even then you're lucky if you find out, but I'll see like one word that stands out and I'm like, oh, the mal stupi. Let's look up mal stupi online. And then you find out it's some major franchise and then it just gets you or you watch the videos from the commercial and you're like, oh, this is an ad for soup. Like Subaru is a great example. And we'll put out to the like voiceover gods. I, I want to voice a Subaru ad, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love what they do. And literally it's like love. It's what makes a Subaru Subaru. And their, their ads are great. They're all the same kind of message. And if you went in for an audition for Subaru and didn't know their style, you might be like, love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And it's not, it's not that at all. So how much, do you watch a lot of commercials? Do you play a lot of video games? Do you watch a lot of animation? How much of that stuff are you consuming versus just uh, auditioning and working? Yeah, um, honestly, I should be watching a lot more than I do. Sometimes I'm like on the couch watching TV, skip, skip, skip. Um, but now instead of skipping everything, I sometimes will just fast forward and I can tell, okay, that's going to be a female voice um, or there's not going to be any voice on that. And then I'll go back and watch them. Um, so I'm trying to watch a lot more commercials. Animation, video games are the same. I don't play a lot of games, but I watch the gameplay online. You can just go on YouTube and search and like feeds of yeah which accounts and stuff yeah, yeah exactly so you can because i hear a lot of people like i want to do games but i don't play games you can find out although right now i'm playing last of like last of us is the only game i've ever played from start to finish and i, I love it one. it was so oh, the second yeah. one is Oof. so good brian it's so I heard, good i had some friends oh who game God. tested it and said it was pretty remarkable oh lucky so what um, yeah. i want to do a little lightning round real quick okay, <laughs> okay. I, want, oh, I want whatever your like first instinct response is okay That's so dangerous. this lightning round is on what are the current trends what would you say okay. is the it, what comes to your mind when i say where is commercial right now laid back laid back i like that okay uh what about um animation not video games specifically animated series for well, let's just say animation. Uh-huh. That's so hard. I can't lightning round that because it depends on what network it is. Okay, what that's what I was going to ask. I was like, should we say streaming? Should we say, okay, so kids, I mean, baby kids animation. Let's just go like ba- age okay. group by age group. So, and people will disagree with me. Uh, sh- things that are for younger kids are definitely bigger characters, but you have to make sure they understand what the heck you're saying <laughs> without talking down to them. Okay. So... You can't, like, I'm a fast talker sometimes, and I can't talk like this. I can't do this great big character for little, little kids because they're not going to understand what I'm saying. Um, right. But you can take that energy. So it's a big character that's you know. able to talk slow enough for a kid to understand without condescension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk slow, but I clearly think you're stupid. Like, like you can't do that. 
<laughs> Unless it's the asshole character. <laughs> it's like just enough. And, and if you know, okay, this show is for Disney Junior versus Disney, that's, there's going to be a, just a little bit of a difference there. If, with the, the major trend right now, a lot of it is just natural it's just acting. So many shows right now aren't like, you know, when we grew up, it was the big animated shows. Everything was Mm -hmm. super big. And I love doing those characters. But so much of it is just, you know, Rick and Morty and stuff like that. All the characters, I mean, the characters are heightened, but sometimes they're just just talking like normal people are talking. Especially like the non-Rick and Morty characters in Rick and Morty. Like the rest of the family is just like kind of living their life. That's exactly what I mean. Oh, okay, Exactly. Sure. (laughs) Yeah! It's being weird today, Mom. Like, yeah, okay, so there's that. Anything else for current trends with animation that you want to throw out there? Oh, I probably, but I'll forget what it is. There's so much. Yes and no. Um, Knowing your audience goes back to kind of being redundant, but is it a show for adults? (laughs) Are you adults swimming right now? A lot of new Netflix shows are for adults. Uh, Just knowing what your audience is. And there are still shows that call for those big, wacky characters. Um, And they're super fun. (laughs) But so are the kids' shows. Like, I love... They just, ah, they eat it up. I love it. Well, you always love the children's theater. I mean, I, that's, I there's a do. good spot for you there. Okay, what are the trends of the video games right now? Natural, natural, natural. That is the biggest trend because so much of it is cinematic now or mocap. Um, I haven't had the privilege of doing mocap yet, but it looks amazing. And it's a lot like theater, actually. Um, but when you watch cutscenes, you're like, this is totally it's natural acting and there are some video games i shouldn't say all of them there are definitely some video games that are heightened and you're doing like jrpg and you're doing games from other places um they've got some heightened stuff going on and i've I've had fun with those but it really is just acting you know and you've got to know your like (laughs) frog out like (laughs) incoming (laughs) i'm not gonna shout because i'll blow my mic out um you gotta like have that kind of in your wheel pocket, your wheelhouse, your pocket. Please go with wheel pocket. Wheel, wheel pocket. pocket. Wheel pockets. I love it. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, okay. So wait, that's, those are my trend. Oh, what about, okay. So we say naturalism. We say we're not supposed to push it too much, but then you yes. get a character and it's for a video game or it's for, uh, it's for an animated show and you're playing an alien named Blee Bloop who's made out of three, yes. you know, uh, concentric circles of, you know, viscous gasoline or something. And they say it that, on. And, and, so how character do we get when we start to not be playing humans or are we still bringing mostly a authentic grounded human voice to that when how crazy are we getting with our characters that is a great question and i go back to what's the audience for that because you could have a crazy green what do you say concentric circles who just a viscous gasoline which is kind of hilarious (laughs) (laughs) or you've got like oh the claw the claw you you got that um i mean i think you have a little bit again, depending on the game or the the show, a little bit more leeway with those weird-ass characters. But, like, you know, you're playing a dog. 
maybe your dog depends on what they look like and they're just a little bit more heightened you know you see all those dog movies and it just depends on what that dog is versus like the little hyper chihuahua I always but what I like about what you show. Oh yeah. Oh god. Uh, no, I, I just I always find it funny when it's totally contrasted. You see like a giant dog. Like when I'll get an audition for something like that, I see this is like giant dog, and I give them the dog that they want, and they say they want this gruff, takes up space, and then I'll give them like the smallest little voice <laughs> in opposition <laughs> because why not? Well, I, <laughs> it makes me so laugh. Like- there's inherent like conflict in that, and contrast and dynamics. Like yeah. It's way more interesting to see something that has subtext, and that's like character subtext. Yes, all of a sudden. yes. I think that that's really it fun. is. Do you remember that old uh, animation of like the big dog, do, 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 and then the little one that kept jumping over? It's like, what are we gonna do today, Bob? Yes. What are we gonna do today? <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine if that was switched with the voices. Like, that would just make me pee my pants. <laughs> it's true. We need a pinky in the brain where they swap voices. Oh, gosh, that would be amazing. Bring back Pinky the Brain. You're bringing back Animaniacs. Let's reboot Um, the whole damn thing. Yeah. Uh, Okay, let's talk about equipment. When did you start buying equipment? And what was like a good first generation getting started kind of um, investment for you? Yeah, another really, really great question. Um, When I started feeling like not having a mic was holding me back, was when I started really thinking about equipment. When that, that point, like I was talking about earlier, when I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a demo now. Oh, well, I need to be ready to audition then. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, my first agent still had a booth and I was going in all the time. My agent now, uh, no, you're not. Before these unprecedented times, you, you would still hardly go in. Yeah, I was still recording from home. Um, my first mic was an AT2020, which is a USB mic. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough, got my first one, a friend gave to me for 20 bucks. Um, <laughs> Cassie, Cassie, um, thank you. Cause I was talking about, I needed one. And she's like, I've got one in my car and I just got another one. Do you want, yes. And then I won my second microphone. So I just got real lucky in the beginning. Awesome. <laughs> and I won some headphones. Um, and then from there it was learning how to use it in my own space and setting up um like at that point i was my in in my closet with clothes with a blanket over my head sweating my balls off trying to record this stuff um and then uh i started working with the john lonfontaine voiceover lab which we have free access to if you're a member of sag aftra and that's where i learned uh, editing software, Twisted Wave. Hmm. And once I learned that, then it opened up even more to me. But the thing is, is a lot of people, I think, make the mistake of they start off and they're like, I need to spend $2,000. I need the best microphone. I need the Neumann right away. And it's like, well, if you don't have a treated space to record in where it sounds good, what's the point of having this big mic? If you're just starting out, you may not like this You know, in a few months don't put that, that money in. And it wasn't until I was like, I fully invested. I was like, okay. And then I built, like I had George Whittem, shout out George Whittem came to my house and helped me build like a space, like actually got the closet, but put up the correct stuff. And then it just grew from there. And then I actually got a booth after that because I was working more and needed more treatment. And then I upgraded my mic. Like it was just all these little steps of starting and starting and making them 
bigger and better. Like my dream is to have an actual like large office that is my booth where all the panels and everything. So I don't keep hitting my walls, but I'm so grateful to have this, which I got at an auction. Like (laughs) these things just kind of happened to me. I saved like $3,000 in an auction getting this booth. Uh, with the World Voices organization. I got Did it come, really, came like pre-made? Pre, like fa- it was amazing. Booth? It was at a convention. And again, go to conventions. I can talk about that if you want or not. Um, yeah. But I was at a convention and, you know, there's people trying to sell stuff. And this company, QC Acoustics, had their booth there that they were showing people. This is what you can get. And then they auctioned it off and they said, We'll drive to, you know, we're driving back up to Northern California. So depending on where you, and this was in Vegas, depending on where you live, we'll drive it to your house and set it up for you. And my hands was like, yes. <laughs> and so I was just auctioning, auctioning. And like, here's the thing about the voiceover community. I'm not going to get for clapped. <laughs> this is what happens to me. Happening. It is, shut up. Um, <laughs> it is one of the most generous communities and kind and supportive and we're we we help each other out and we suggest you know i'm not right for this job i'll send it to you yada yada it's amazing and i was running out of i couldn't like bid anymore i'm like i've hit my my top and people just fuck people just started giving me money they were like like people who believed in me and were like this is gonna help you step up your game you should have this rebecca davis like right like (laughs) I like wow. to this day. Fuck. Um, and then somebody, Dan Leonard, offered to come to my house as part of it and treat it like make sure the sound was right. And then these guys just built it, put it back together and in my house. Holy my poor cow. husband, the night before I call him and I'm like, hey, honey, these people are coming tomorrow and they're going to put this in the in our guest bedroom. So you need to take out all the dressers and the bed and get everything right. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. He just got home from being away for a few days and I got home and the place was gutted. Um, Anyway, yeah, you just gotta (laughs) build and build and build. I don't know where I came from with that story. Uh, But yeah, yeah. So what kind of investment, if if you're just starting out, between like taking a couple classes and getting the basic equipment, Mm -hmm. are we saying like, just make sure you're ready to spend at least $1,000 to get started? Like at least, least. I feel like, like it's gonna be more than that. But at least, and that's before your demo. Oh yeah, and I'm like, before your demo. But yeah, I think if you tell people, well, it takes you fifty thousand dollars to start a career in voiceover, and uh-uh. no one would ever do it. And I no, think, no, 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 no. So, but I think just like in terms of just starting out, what can get you, you know, a class and something to fuck around with on your computer and that stuff. Like, yeah. be prepared to spend low four figures early on figuring out like where you're where you're going with this yeah and there are free resources you can get audacity i'm pretty sure you can still get that for free is free you can oh, uh, yeah the, the don lafontaine lab has microphones and engineers and people and classes and panels and all sorts yeah. of stuff like, and there's a online even before all this stuff where we were you know stuck in our homes there are so many classes online but i will say like psa do your homework when you see something online, a class, find people you trust, ask them about that teacher. There are scammers out there that will fuck you in the ass. Um, and just be careful with that. Make sure yeah. you know who you're studying with. Um, PSA over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like how your PSA voice is. I, I, I can picture that, that spot on your demo. 
<laughs> Maybe I do need a PSA. This is your brain on drugs. Remember that commercial? Oh, oh I'm dating yeah. myself. Um, yeah. So you don't need a ton of money to start off. You just need to have the right amount and you can set up a boot like closets are actually the best place to record with tons of clothes in there you just need a few yeah. little tweaks you don't need to have a fancy booth that 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 i have and there are fancier booths than what i have that i'm like coveting I'm like oh i want your your other one but uh you we don't need all that fancy stuff about some voiceover actors who plot to steal like uh, the prized booth, you know, like maybe like <laughs> since Don LaFontaine passed, his booth has sat in, in, a, in a locked room with cameras and lasers. It's Ocean's Eleven, but it's just, it's Ocean's right? booth. Yeah, It's a heist like, movie. Yeah, well, I don't know. It feels like Carmen Sandiego to steal a whole booth feels, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a whole undertaking. Yeah, all the microphones and all the equipment. And, yep, yeah. yeah, no, this is, this is gonna work. We're on to uh, So tell me a little bit, um, as a as an artist in this field, do you mm-hmm. do you actively market? Do you have a marketing plan? I do market. Um, I every question I'm like, I do, but I should be doing more. Um, I do, and I reach out to clients. Um, I mean, the first biggest step that I took with marketing was figuring out my brand, and that goes back to your authentic self. Who are you and where do you fit into the world in general? And where do you fit into this voiceover world? And it just so happens I'm looking at your website right now. Davis <laughs> And there are two clearly like, I would imagine you paid some good money for this art because those pictures that are, that are you, that are amazing. These like animated hey. versions of Rebecca. And on one side it says sugary charm. And on the other, it has wicked versatility. And I feel like that's going to kind of bookend the brand, right? Like I can, yep. I'm, I'm sugar and spice, right? Yeah. Yeah. I worked with the brand manager, uh, Celia Siegel on that, who was an incredible help with, and figuring it out, figuring out my colors, figuring out my style. And then we worked with a website designer who actually those animated things, she got, she had a student design those. Um, like, she's just like, hey, here's some ideas. And we knew we wanted that kind of opposing ends to it. And we went through a bunch of renditions and we were like, okay, it needs to have my crazy hair and, you know, still be identifiable for, for who I am. And, and she came up with this. And then the designer put it all together. But uh, Celia was instrumental in me figuring out what, what my brand is. And, and that's, that's helped and it's stood out. And I've had people say, Oh, I remember you. I got your business card. Cause it's just a little different. Yeah. So, so marketing for you was involving actually creating some images, like some brand, mm-hmm. almost like a logo, you know, coming yes, with yes, it is a theme. A, that is my logo. Absolutely. And then, what kind of regular stuff do you do? Is it that you regularly make sure to just get in touch with various people? Are you sending out business cards? Do you have a newsletter? Like, what do you do? What's the oh, right. All the things that I should be doing. Um, I have well, a marketing look, group that helps me. <laughs> it's great hearing that we should do this. And I think that it's, let's talk about it. But also it's nice to hear if you do it sometimes and not always. Because I, yes. I think some people imagine there's like shame associated with not doing it. And then, well, if yeah. I'm not going to do that, then I never will do it. And it's like, well, that's not true either. 
Um, yes. But it does help. And like, let's, let's take the shame out of it. So here, yeah. this is a working voiceover artist who I think a lot of people listening to this would love to have your career. And she is here saying, I market uh, sometimes. Uh, right? <laughs> okay, I accept that. So tell us what that sometimes yeah. looks like. Um, it's also like if I've, I've gotten a job, um, every once in a while, I like independent clients, not jobs through, well, there's three different things here. Um, take a workshop. I'll follow up with them, drop them a little line in a few months. I, I'm a very like me personally, I'm always, I'm that person who's like, I don't want to bother you, but, uh, which I'm working on. Uh, so it's hard for me to do those follow-ups. Um, gotcha. and some people are so good about that. They're like, no, I like, it's, it's that mindset of like, I have, I, I'm here to solve your problem. I yeah. have what you need. Not like, Hey, can you give this to me? What's your problem? Here I am. Um, and, and just like, I, the other day I was thinking about, this happened like a few weeks ago, someone that I worked with years ago on an animated project. And I was like, oh, so I just wrote to him. I was like, hey, I know it's been years, but you just popped in my mind today. How are your kids doing? Because I remember his kids lived in New Jersey. And then it was like, oh my goodness, you know, it's so nice to hear from you. I'm actually looking for someone who can blah, blah, blah. And so then we just worked on a project together. And I know if I was more on top of those follow-ups that would be happening more and more. I always have that, like, I'm going to do my newsletter and it doesn't happen. And I accept that some, you know, um, I'm you're in a marketing group. So what does your yeah. So, um, I'm in two different groups. I'm in a stand-up group, which is not stand-up comedy, um, which is something I learned about at a voiceover convention. And it's almost like a support group, I guess. Uh, we get together via zoom way before everyone was using zoom. We started this like three or four years ago, once a week, check in with each other. What, you know, have you had any um, challenges that you need help with? Or what were your wins? And this is both groups kind of. Uh, what were your wins this week? What, what do we get to celebrate? What, what's stopping you? What's your plan next week? And people have like, some people have mastermind groups and there's different types of things, but we have voiceover ones. And then I have one and those are people all over the country, but then I have one that is uh, just in LA. So we kind of have the same lingo and know the same people and are in that exact world. One of my other one, my stand-up group, now we're just, we've turned it to more of a like, hey, we're shooting the shit for an hour. <laughs> but sure, they're your friends. It's good for your soul. And you yeah, still community. know the same thing. It's community. And that is so important because we work in a vacuum. I work in my little, you know, you guys can't see, but like my padded cell basically. And so- we need that human interaction before all this anyway, um, more than you're doing the on-camera world, you're on set, you're with people. We don't, we don't get that. Um, it's so, where was I going? Oh, so the stand-up group is really important to that. And the marketing group, we just help each other brainstorm. And you're like, hey, like if I just said to them, hey, I really want to do a newsletter, haven't, can you guys help me? These are my ideas. Then we'd all kind of brainstorm together and somebody's going to think of something way better than I would. Someone's opinion of like, oh no, Rebecca, that's the wrong direction for you because you're not that kind of person. That kind of thing. What helps the more they know um, you, they're able to give you more specific feedback. Exactly. Because sometimes people know you better than you know yourself sometimes. Just it, sometimes, well, they, what they know is the version of you that's experienced by the outside world, which is wow. what... That's like, that's who's receiving it. Like, that they might not know. 
Thank you. Okay, well, that wraps up the episode. Thank you so much. Shots. Looking for a high note. Shots for everybody. Um, well, I, I have to have a lot of your time, so I only have a few more questions for you, but I do have a few more. So much um, fun. Uh, what about networking? And I feel like this leads into yes. these mastermind groups and conventions that you're talking about. One thing I've noticed in just kind of the times we've talked voiceover, I one time brought you out. I was like, you tell me your secrets. I mean, like I, we've done this for a long time. Um, but to me, a big part of what made you seem like you felt like a part of a community was embracing being in the fucking community. And can yes. you talk a little bit about how one makes a first impression with those? Because groups like that are easy if you feel comfortable. But yeah. to pierce the veil of that to figure out where I'm supposed to be and, and not have imposter syndrome to be there and learn how to impinge on those groups. That seems mm -hmm. very scary to a lot of people. So talk about the networking portion, please. You are right. It is scary to a lot of people. And when I first started out, I was terrified. I'm a, uh, I don't remember which one it is, introvert, extrovert, or extroverted introvert. I'm very much an extrovert, which people know me as but I get super socially awkward in new situations where I don't know anybody or like if I think there's like a gatekeeper. Oh, it's so good to know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. People think yeah. I'm very confident. I am not. <laughs> right. You, you. I am not. You get it. No, yeah. neither. I, I'm yeah. just like going to like my weird self when I'm around people that already know me and I'm comfortable mm -hmm. with them. But especially if there's a gatekeeper, I'm always like, and by gatekeeper, I mean like casting director, voice director, someone that can help my career. But, and I say this with the, I wish I got to know that, like, if I'm hanging out with someone, I don't want to know, what can you do for me? I just want to get to know you. And then if I find out later, oh, okay, well, cool. I've made a person, it's about personal connections. And the first time I went to a voiceover convention, I God, I don't think I barely knew anybody there. And I felt like an, I mean, I was an imposter for several years. I felt like I don't belong with these people are amazing. Look at this. Um, but I just, you know, hung out with people and just talked and not tried not to just talk shop. Like actually, you know, ask people questions. <laughs> oh, I love your bracelet. Where did you get that? But only if you believe it. And it's real. Like, I genuinely want to know where did you get that bracelet? It's gorgeous. Um, and finding your, your people and, and going. So, so you can find there's so many different voiceover conventions or just going to classes is networking. Some of the people I met in the very beginning, I am still like are my besties in the business. Um, and you just find yourself more and more comfortable. Um, but I also kind of, uh, I like to, re I'm very much the, I like to give back. I like to reach out and help people the way people helped me in the beginning. Um, and finding ways to do that is also, you know, my, my motivation isn't networking, but it's naturally in there. Like I work with women in animation. I, I work with, uh, a couple other things that I can't remember at the moment, Young Storytellers Foundation, um, you know, helping other people. And that's, oh no, oh no, my iPad just went to 10%. Oh no, I can switch to my iPhone because I don't know when that's going to happen. And that would make me very sad. That's very, 
That's that that just raised the stakes on the rest that, of us, didn't it? Oh <laughs> shit! No, we're gonna just get cut off anyway in a certain moment. Um, but networking is is it's important. It's so important because that person is like, oh, I'm not right for this. Oh, I know somebody. And I've gotten jobs that way where people are like, oh, Rebecca, you'd be perfect for this. Thank you. Great. And you so, get more comfortable. So the networking seems like just go make friends. Go, like, yeah. go network. Just connect. Find connect. Like there. That's, that's the word. Connection. Yeah. And don't it is overwhelming. To, yeah, don't go there to get anything but a friend. Like go there to, friend, to, yes. You've, you've had a really successful time there. Like an actual yeah. friend. Someone yeah. you could really truly be friends with. That's the most successful version of networking in the world. Absolutely. And if you go to a, there's, you know, business events, you're networking. It's, you just got to go with the mindset of like, if, again, going back to, it's not how you can help me. It's how I can help you. Like I'm your solution. Yeah. To what you need. That's beautiful. Well, I have only one last one for you. Um, okay. My question for you is when you were starting out or at any point in your career, did you take advantage of any like pre-rep, pre-having rep or early rep? Did you use the freelance websites for voiceover, whether it's, you know, a Voices123, a Voices.com, a Fiverr? There's a lot of work that people find out there. And I'm wondering, yeah. did you, how much do you use that? How much do you recommend or not recommend that for people? Um, I'll straight up say Fiverr. No, um, you're undermining the community that you want to be a part of and you're not going to get paid enough because someone else is doing stuff for $10. Um, I did use voices.com and voice one, two, three, um, and other, uh, we call them pay to play in the beginning because that's how I was going to get stuff. But, um, I wouldn't take the, you know, jobs that were $30 that should be 300 or 3000 or stuff like that. Um, you need to know what the current rates are. And if you don't go to GVAA, um, just look it up GVAA and go to their rate guide. And that's a breakdown of what our voiceover rates should be, whether you're union or non-union. Um, but that is, you know, you do need that to start off if you don't have representation. Like I, I understand the necessity for a way to reach out and be able to get auditions. That's yeah. a whole, there's so many, <laughs> it's a whole controversy, a complicated huge yeah. complicated controversy, but I understand but, it. But it's also not unique to voiceover. I mean, it, what yeah. business doesn't have an issue with the fact that, you know, if you can afford to be an unpaid intern for three years, you have a better chance of getting a paying job. Like that's bullshit. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of systemic yeah. problems with it, but that is every industry. It's just not, it's not a good thing, but it is not unique to voiceover that there's some question about how do I work if I'm willing to work for less to actually yeah. get a chance at it. Like that's a complicated, that's easy from whatever perspective you're, you're on and not easy to kind of holistically take the whole thing. Yeah. What other, are there any other resources? One thing that I will put in all the show notes for these is people should check out the voiceover resource guide. Um, yeah, if they're yeah. looking for any resources, that's an easy way to check it out. But anything else that we haven't hit today that if people were really interested in like making the plunge or, 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 kicking it up to, to a new level of intensity. Is there anything we haven't really checked Yeah. Um, in terms of resources, look up D. Bradley Baker, who has on his website, uh, D-E-E, -E, Bradley Baker. Um, he has a whole thing for new voice actors. Like I think it's called, So You Want to Be a Voice Actor. 
And he just goes into depth of like the things that we were talking about, but really helping you give steps of, of what you need to do. Um, again, this community, uh, D D E E Bradley Baker, who you've heard in everything (laughs) you have heard him more times than you think he's incredible, especially with creatures and monsters and like that guy is amazing. Fucking bomb. Um, and there are, so many more that at this moment I can't think of. Look up World Voices Organization. Mm-hmm. Um, look up uh, uh, there's uh, one voice. Like if you're looking for conferences, uh, Vo Atlanta, one voice conference. There's a new one. Oh, I want to say it's M O V O or something. It's like for the Midwest. Um, they're all over the place. Mo- yeah. Movo. Is it a Movo? I think it is. That sounds right. <laughs> it does. It should um, be a thing if it's not. It should. And the conventions, those, I didn't even mention the conventions are another great way, like the big ones, just to get your feet in and you get to take a lot of classes at once and it's very overwhelming, but it's a good way to, uh, soak up some stuff that's not just LA based and meet a lot of people. Like what's a specific convention? Because we're talking about them kind of writ large. Yeah, yeah. Like the ones that I just mentioned. Um, oh, all those, the, the VO Atlanta yeah. One Voice Conference. Those are the, that those is Those are the all convention. conferences gotcha. and conventions. Like One yeah. Voice is out of England, but they're doing an American version online this year. Amazing. Um, there's so, there's so many. And I, I can send you some that you can tell you'll listen in. Please, I will put them um, in, the, in any And show if you're Union, the Don LaFontaine voiceover lab with the SAG Foundation, that place, that place helped me start more than I can possibly uh, express. They're like, yeah, you won really an award me. from them, right? I did. What <laughs> award did you win, by the by? Um, I won the Don, La- Don LaFontaine voiceover spirit award for his talent and his, um, Oh, what's, I can't remember the whole thing. And, and his love of community, basically, he was an incredible man. And with that, I got his Source Connect account. Like I oh have Don LaFontaine running through my computer at all times. It's That insane. is crazy. It's In insane. a world where and, Rebecca Davis has Don LaFontaine, there it is. And I, I have to say real quick for the females out there, like don't let them tell you they only use a man's voice. Like, and, and this is to my own horn for a second, but I was the first woman in over a decade nominated for a golden trailer award for voiceover and like it was um captive state i can't believe for a second i could remember it's called captive state um and i was so proud of it and they used a woman a woman and the same thing like i've just been doing some work for amc plus and they contacted me and it's like yeah the, the client wants to hear a female now and now the voice i'm the voice of them and i'm the female things that you wouldn't have like seen 10 years ago or things that people are still trying to tell you, Oh, a woman's voice can't cut through bullshit. Don't let them say that to you. That's for all the women out there. Cause yeah. Thank you for that. That's, um, I did want to ask going back one second, who was the brand manager you mentioned? I feel like people might be interested in potentially hiring one. Celia Siegel. C-E-I-L-A. Seagull with an S is her last name. Uh, just look up her voice, voiceover, Celia. She's amazing. There are lots of other ones out there, but this, again, talk about a good human being. That woman has heart to the max. 
I like um, to surround myself with good humans. What can I say? Like you, I miss like you. Like <laughs> you. Um, well, I think that that wraps it up. Um, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the show, giving us your wisdom, your experience, your expertise. It's nice to have a Don LaFontaine Spirit Award winner on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm really, uh, I adore you. And I'm so, you know, grateful. Hopefully I helped somebody out there and sure. y'all can always reach out to me. Like What's the I, best way to get in contact with you? Um, oh, do I want to get my email? Yeah, Inst- I'm going to do it. Instagram, like oh, shit. Twitter, Twitter is Rebecca Davis VO um, on Twitter. Instagram is Rebecca's voice. Rebecca, thank, thank you. you so much. Okay, we're about to get to Debbie, but first, can I ask you a quick favor? Uh, if you are digging the show, it would be amazing if you could rate and review Industry Town on the Apple Podcast site. Uh, that stuff really does drive traffic and affect sponsorships and all sorts of stuff like that. So if you're really looking for some extra credit and to uh, warm my heart, please give us a follow on social media and uh, review us on the Apple Podcast site. Um, if you are looking for us on social media, at Industry Town Podcast. Also, I want to quickly tell you about our sponsor, Actor Salon. Actor Salon has moved entirely online and is helping people with their careers every single day, even during the pandemic. So whether you need help with your branding, building relationships, getting more auditions, finding representation, choosing your headshots, any of that stuff, Actor Salon is here. And the best news is that we're offering free audits. So if you don't know if it's the place for you, or you're wondering, how does it actually work? Uh, ch- uh, email assistant at actorsalon.com and let them know you're uh, interested in a free audit. They'll set you up for it and uh, you get to watch a little video that I did and uh, you get the whole experience. So yeah, check that out. Actor Salon free audits. Okay, let's get to our second guest. She is a two-time Annie Award nominee. She has over 300 IMDb credits. She's currently voicing leads on F is for Family on Netflix and the role of... She's currently voicing leads on F is for Family on Netflix and Tig Tone on Adult Swim. She is the celebrated author of VoiceOver 101, How to Succeed as a VoiceOver Actor. And she's probably best known for her work as Jimmy Neutron in Nickelodeon's Hall of Fame series and film Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Here is Debbie Derryberry. Oh, thanks, Brian. I'm so glad you're having me on. I love talking to you. You're like all over the place. You're so popular and, and <laughs> actory and, and high tech. That is my new branding slogan. Actory, popular, high tech. That's it. That's what I'm going to go with from here on out. This is what I'm running with. No, it's been, I, mean, I don't know the last time I talked to you, to be honest. And it's one of my favorite things about doing this is I get a chance to just say, can I just spend an hour talking to you about what you love doing? And it's such a treat. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to start with just how is your pandemic going? How is it being someone uh, established in the voiceover community during a pandemic for you? You know, I feel like um, like we got the lucky, lucky, uh, stick for some reason, some of the other parts of this industry kind of didn't do so great and had to go on pandemic lockdown and people weren't working and voiceover just kept going because we all have our home booths where I always audition, but now I also, um, work from my booth. I record from here and they have figured it out. I mean, they know exactly what software to use and how to hook it up. Um, I know I'm not allowed to say hook it up. Okay. They know how to connect it on Zoom and um, uh, there's something called Source Connect and there's another one called, um, I don't know, there's so many different names for the softwares that they use. I can do ADR, I can loop, I can do new records, I can sing. 
It's amazing. So I'm in this booth all the time. How many hours a week, roughly, are you in that booth? Goodness. Um, 20 to 30 hours a week in this booth. Yeah. Do you, do you feel creative and, that's and all, excited? That's all paid time. That's not all like recording time. That's audition time also, which as you know, we don't get paid for auditions. I like to think that we're always paid for the auditions. They just amortize it over the jobs. Right, right. <laughs> I like it. 200 um, auditions to one booking. Is that, does that feel fair to you? What's a fair ratio in your mind? Um, right now it's gone up a little. I'd say it's more like 150 to one because I do a lot of auditions every day. And um, I would say a lot more people are getting more savvy about home booth records, but they're not all there yet. And so for an engineer or a producer to be like, oh, Debbie's just easier. You know, her booth is set up. She's good to go. There's no problems. Did you set up your booth yourself? Did you contract that out? How much are you responsible for your tech? Um, I'd say almost 90%. I have my husband who happens to be tech genius. And he, you know, helps me with some of the heavy lifting. But like I crawled under the house. I pulled the cables. I, um, uh, when we gutted this closet and put up the walls, I did hire a specific studio guy who knew how to hang that door with the, uh, what do you call it? The, the little lock around it, the air, that rubber. Yeah. Yep. Got Sound air. lock or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 And, um, I had Dan Landard come and he built the plenum that goes on the roof that the, the in the attic where the air goes through so I can have uh, ventilation so, but I was involved a whole, the whole time. And actually I have a YouTube video people can go see on making my booth, how I did it. Amazing. Well, we will put a link to that in the show notes. Um, I wanted to have you on the show because I've had a number of people who are successful in voiceover, mm -hmm. but almost all of them have the same statement on animation, even if they've worked some, which is, oh, that's harder. That's harder. Commercials are hard. It's not the easiest thing to walk into. Um, video games, same thing. Uh, narration, same thing. None of it's easy. But that animation seems to be kind of this own uh, rarefied air where there are fewer people who get the jobs and it takes a few more years to kind of get your foot in the door. Can you tell me a little bit about starting an animation for you? Kind of how you created a name and reputation for yourself? Uh, for my uh, launching board it was different than most people I think because I already sound like a little kid and that was where I first got my work was animation so for me it's easy breezy commercials are like you know how do you get those I, I still audition but I don't book them I book commercials like uh, I did a, um, a baby's gum like tooth gum the other day and then I did a um, like a parrot and like a vomiting trash can, those kinds of things. But like your normal commercial you hear, I'm still struggling trying to figure out how to nail that one. But the animation to me comes easier. And when I first um, started, that's what they sent me out on. Now, um, for people getting into it, I would say the voice agents will take you, will consider you for commercial work. They won't consider you just for animation anymore because there's so many people that want to do it. And it is such, like you said, it's, it's a niche thing. There's just a few of us that do it all the time. And they certainly let in new people all the time. But 
for the agent to send you those auditions, you have to kind of prove yourself on the commercial market first, unless you naturally sound like helium. Then they might say, great, we'll send you on animation because that's what she sounds like. And a lot of people, not a lot, but some people sound just like that. And it'd be a waste of time for them to start commercial first. Well, can you just give me five seconds of vomiting trash can? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a combination of a cough and a retch. So it's like... <laughs> I actually had a little whiplash after that session. She's a genius, ladies and gentlemen. It's visceral and it's clear. Um, okay, so... Yeah, you have a natural gift with your voice. It does sound youthful. It does give you quite a range. Did you start off with a bunch of acting? I'm asking some questions that I already know the answer to a little bit, just because I want other people to catch up. But where did you start? Were you a trained actress who realized, I've got this unique gift, I'm going to take that talent and put it to voiceover? How did you find yourself as someone to be discovered with this gift? Um, I actually have always uh, played guitar and sang and written uh, written, wrote in songs, written. Um, written songs since I got my guitar when I was like nine. And uh, I always did community theater. So had stage experience, music experience. And because I'm a responsible good girl, I went to college to UCLA and was a pre-med because fellow I fellow Bruins. Yay! Mm -hmm. doctor. I did do a summer of theater there, but um, when I graduated, I realized as I, encourage other people to pursue what they love. So, of course, instead of med school, I moved to Nashville, which that's what people do. So, Especially uh, people with a pre-med background. Everyone in pre-med, go to Nashville. Yeah. Somebody said, Deb, you need to move to Nashville. You love country music. Okay. So I didn't get hired for singing country, but I did get hired as a session singer in a child's voice. I don't think I've ever been paid to sing like a grown-up yet. But I ended up with a decent reel and then, you know, somebody saw me being all little and they were like, you want to do stand-in work for the little boys on Haver and it's our, um, Ernest Goes to Camp, those Jim Varney movies. Oh, yeah. And I'm, okay, I'll do anything to keep, wait, keep from waiting tables. And one of the moms of the kids was like, you should do voiceover. I said, what's voiceover? You should cartoons. What? That's a thing? I didn't even know. Anyway. Long story I mean, it's quite a journey, though, because, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to bury the lead. Like, yes, you work in animation, but you work in animation. You are multiple-time Annie, Annie nominee. You've written books. You have, uh, you have music in the world. You have a plethora of – I mean, there's so much here that you have to offer people. And so I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you about all of it. Um, if someone's listening who is, you know, trained as an actor, they, they have some idea of what they're doing creatively and organically, but they haven't – created an animation animated character yet where would you tell someone to start buy my book <laughs> well what's the book debbie well some okay, copies it's called voiceover how to succeed as a voice actress it's voiceover 101 how to succeed as a voice actor it's on amazon you can get it on my website email me but i've kind of broken down everything i've done over the years and um kind of made it i don't know organized so that you could approach it from different angles and it is an acting job but the voiceover book kind of focuses on the things that are specific to voiceover because as you know it's a different set of tools it's a different skill set and 
In fact, I'm teaching um, the second of my uh, dramatic voiceover intensives. Uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but it's probably going to be over by then. Um, there will definitely be a link, though, to where people can sign up for your classes, for sure. So. Yeah, I sometimes teach classes. Mostly I'm coaching privately now because I have to stick it in between sessions, and I never know when I'm working now because it's everybody's doing voiceover, and there's so many jobs available. Um, I forgot what the question was. Yes, if they wanted to get into voiceover. There's a lot of people that teach. There's a lot of uh, uh, seminars. There's a good way, website that Dee Bradley Baker has called... Uh, so you want to be a voice actor or I want to be a voice actor. It's all one word. And it goes through a lot of stuff. He's written a lot of good stuff. Um, well, let's take it a little bit because, I mean, gosh, how to be a voice actor is such a large question. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about, like, creating an animated character, realizing, like, I feel like a lot of people assume early on that animation equals funny voices. Mm -hmm. And that there, it's a, it feels a little more cartoony than I think cartoons actually are. And some of the how you create or how you arrive at, at where these people live in you, I don't think is quite as simple as, well, I'm going to do a funny voice and see what happens. You know, there's yeah. a little bit more specific and I think a little bit more related to acting training. So let's, can we, let's use a really classic example. Let's use Jimmy Neutron because I think that's a character that probably everyone who's listening will know. Yeah. Um, and from the intro, they'll know that you voiced that character. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Jimmy. Like, how did you discover the voice for Jimmy? If someone is going to be given an audition like that or, a, or, or an image like that, how can we take that and create a character? Um, oh, wait, I'm going to burp. I always love my burps because um, I can't do it on cue. So here you go. Oh, it's good. Yeah, when I burp, I let the engineers know it's coming so we can record it in case my character needs it later in the um, cartoon. Practical tips. Practical, yeah, tips. practical tips. Yeah, put it on your resume. If, you're a, if you can burp, if you can... My things. wife is an incredible burper. It's really, we should get her a reel just from that. Goes on the resume. Swear. Yeah. Um, so creating characters, creating Jimmy Neutron. When I first started in voiceover, I was so comfortable doing little kid voices, girl voices. So this is kind of where I always spoke um 20 30 years ago it's, this it, is resonating very high for you right um actually it's um yeah in the nose it is higher and... it's not really in my nose this would be in my nose mm -hmm. it's, there it is. And, and this is above my nose so it's actually my easiest placement but over the years i've learned to drop it so i was a little nervous. They were like, it's a boy's role. And I had been trying to, pra I had been trying to practice boys voices, but didn't feel comfortable. And so at the audition, you know, I saw on the sign in list, all the girls that really did have uh, texture in their voice, gravel in their voice, which is sort of like this, right? They have gravel, a little uh, like vocal fry, um, which of course, Nancy Cartwright has and Pammy Adlin has and E.G. Daly has and Dana Hill had, but uh, I didn't. So my little boy had no texture and he kind of, if you can, I know they can't see me, but it goes out the side of my mouth a little bit and his Jimmy Neutron is a little bit lower. So that's where he was. That's the placement of him. Mm -hmm. But I was always really comfortable with the little kid's attitude. So drawing on your acting training, you want to be able to take that character wherever he lives 
if he lives here and he goes out the side of my mouth, that character has to be able to fly through crying, happiness, anger, and not change the voice. And I think that's the challenge to most people is that when you find your character, can you live in that character? Like, you know, I know uh, method actors will go into their character and stay there for a few days. Uh, voiceover, you really don't have that freedom because they always get you for two or three voices per episode because our SAG contract says they get you for two voices, third voice is a 10% bump, which is cheaper, especially for video games, you know, with 300 characters, they want to make sure you can do three voices. So you, you don't get to give me a moment. I need to get into character. Sorry. Bye. So, um, the first thing I do with finding a character is find the placement. Is it down in my diaphragm? Is it here in my chest? Is it here in my nose? Is it above my nose? After I've placed it, then you can put um, an accent on it. Say it was up here. Well, say it's a mouse from New York. So then I have my placement, but wait a minute. I'm going to make him from New York. Wait, now he's a boy. Okay, put him out the side of my mouth and put him up there and give him the New Yorky kind of accent. So there's these layers that happen, and you kind of hold on to all of them. And it sounds confusing, but when you figure out how to do it, then it's like driving a car, right? Like when you drove a car for the first time, you're like, there is so much to know. But now you can drive a car pretty well, at least... I saw you drive a few times and you're a little speedster. I want you to know I know that about you. <laughs> personal. I, I have passed you in the car and you're like, Vroom! so we're neighbors. You're good at it. Uh, well, you know, I'll get, we'll try to get my animation up to my, my driving speeds and we'll see where we get. <laughs> um, so that look, it, it's, uh, it's really awesome to watch you do that to just like behold the clarity with which you know what you're doing and the technical uh, precision with, with, with which you're able to do it. Talk to me a little bit about that voice placement. How much of that is trained and how much of that is just God-given? You know how to place it in different places and get that beautiful resonating sound. I teach a lot of people. And when I walk them through this placement exercise, we do the vowels in each uh, sinus or placement, if you will. And we move them around. And some are easier for other people than, than others. Um, for me, I work on it all the time. So I can go from different place to different place in each vowel. But it is, you know, like singing or, or working out. They're all muscles and placements and you have to bounce them around. So it's definitely um, something you can get better at. Was it singing training that allowed you to to be so expert with that quickly? Or was it needing to get good at it for voiceover where you made your kind of jump? I think singing definitely helps. Like most voice artists I know are singers. Some are not, but very few. Most animation uh, actors can sing. And I don't mean that they're necessarily trained singers, but they can carry a tune really well. So because animation has, uh, not all animation. I mean, if you're looking at something like um, an adult cartoon, there's not necessarily the uh, highs and lows that you see in a preschool cartoon or in a, um, a crazy Nickelodeon cartoon. So, but, but I'm talking about the crazy cartoons right now. 
they have a lot of ups and downs and flows and melody to it. And you also want to be able to hear what the director says. And if they, you know, most of the directors are like, I don't know, 10, 12 years old. And so they don't know how to speak to an actor like you and I are used to being spoken to, right? I like to be directed by an actor who knows how to get from me what they want. But sometimes they'll give you a line read, which as a voice actor, it's not an insult. Okay. If you, if, if I'm not giving it to you, give me the line read. And as a voice actor, I need to be able to hear the melody in that line read. If I'm saying, no, no, come over here. And the director says, no, no, I want, no, no, come over here. One more break to talk about Industry Town's presenting sponsor, John Rosenfeld Studios. John Rosenfeld Studios is one of the preeminent film and television acting studios in the world. We do ongoing classes, audition coaching, and tapings, and we moved it all online so you can stay safe and keep growing your craft and your career and auditioning and booking work. Uh, check out johnrosenfeld.com for information and email info at johnrosenfeld.com to schedule a consultation or a coaching. To just quickly talk personally about this, um, you know, Zoom acting classes are a huge part of my life. I teach them multiple ones every week. I take them and it's powerful and it's fun. It works so much better than I expected. And the thing I really want to share today is how necessary it feels. It feels necessary for the soul, having community and something to focus on, but also just necessary when it comes to working right now. The thing that I'm seeing is that the people who've been figuring out how to do Zoom auditions and Zoom table reads and figuring out how to connect over the internet that it's paying off in the auditions, that it's paying off in terms of actual work, that people aren't rusty. So my hope is that you find that. So I hope you find yourself uh, getting to a class, and I hope it's one at John Rosenfeld Studios. So yeah, check out www.johnrosenfeld.com for details. Okay, back to Debbie. So I love working with trained actors, but there is a learning curve to VO voiceover because you don't have that liberty of those pauses for your dramatic mugging, for your face scoff, for your eyeball roll, for your shoulder shrug, for your, those things that don't have sound associated with them. In voiceover, you have to make those. I do a whole class on how to spell getting slugged in the stomach, how to spell jumping off a rock into the clouds. Um, how does a writer write that? What is a teenage scoff? How is it spelled? It's, there's so much specificity to it and what, yeah. what you're talking about. You know, tell me what you think on this. So many people who want to get into voiceover, I love that they want to get into a class, um, private coaching classes, and I think it's great. But would you also say that if you haven't done it, if you don't have the background, that one thing that would be valuable if it's a career in animation is just a voice and speech teacher to really learn your instrument and how that thing works and how you support your breath and your voice and you place it. Because you don't have that background from singing or drama school or wherever you may have picked it up. I wonder if those full-on voiceover classes are going to be as useful or tangible if you don't have that voice background. What do you think? I think it depends on the person. I, I do send some people to... Um, I have, I have a couple singing coaches that I send them to that know what I want and know how to train those people how to do those things. Uh, what's called pitch matching. Um, if I'm going, la, can you go, la, la, la. Yeah, I can do that. La, la, la. Some people can't do that. So that's just an exercise that singing can help you learn. 
As far as um, the support, yeah, some people naturally speak in a way that I'm not going to be able to get them to emote. So certainly, if that's an issue for you, then not you, Brian, but you as an actor. No, I, I feel you talking to me right now. I hear it. I hear it. <laughs> not between the lines. This is all between the lines, guys. We get it. We get it. Keep going. You know, I hear about your voice. There's, it's quite clear and it's strong and you're doing everything right. But some yes. people you listen to, they're not. There's something going on there that's very character but also could be very dangerous. So, what does dangerous mean to you? Dangerous means that... Uh, Repeated over a period of time will cause vocal nodes, uh, fatigue, or uh, loss of voice, or total loss of voice over time. Because it is a muscle, and, you know, in, in sports, they say no pain, no gain. Yeah. If there's pain in, in your voice when you do it, that's not good. You shouldn't have that. You feel a sense of ease when you're working. Mm -hmm. Vocally, are... at least. You might be tired. You might be putting a lot of you know, yourself into it, but your voice is not going to be damaged from what you're doing. It won't be damaged, but yeah, it does get fatigued, and I recognize my fatigue in my voice by uh, it tends to coat itself with like a film, and I'll mm. find myself going, <clears throat> you know, it'll have a little mucusy thing on it. And that's my voice uh, repairing. So people ask how you take care of your voice, which is probably your next question. <laughs> sure. Let's go. It's on the list. So let's hit it. It's a free-flowing conversation. We'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll just get it all. We'll hit it all. Okay, Brian. Um, it, it's all this stuff that makes sense. You know, get a good night's sleep. Don't smoke. Unless, of course, your character is the smoker and that's what you're being sold as. Then please continue to smoke your short-lived career. And... <clears throat> The, um, the things you eat, drink. Um, what are some secret hacks? Because I feel like people would know like a cough drop or to you know, drink tea. Those seems kind of, seem kind of obvious. What are the things that you know someone's a pro if they have this snack or home remedy? <laughs> um, if they'll have their bottle of water that's uh, not really ice cold. It's kind of room temperature or, or warm. Um, some people love these Grather's pastilles. Um, they work Didn't for some you used to have that when we worked together and I feel like I've had those at your house. Yeah. I would buy the giant containers of them yeah. and they work. Okay. Um, everybody has their things that work for them. Grapes work good for me. Barbecue potato chips work really good for me when I get like smacky sound. Potato chips help with that. They do for me. And Incredible. Yeah, I just love them too. Um, you know, that's a, like a little bonus is that they're like the best thing on the planet. Okay, okay. Uh, um, pineapple juice, but it hurts, you know, your stomach. It hurts my stomach. But if I swish with a little pineapple juice, it like cleans out my mouth. Yeah, um, that stuff works. Coffee dry it out. Uh, that's one of the sad things about if you're going to really invest in voiceover, just be ready to drink less coffee. Like if, if you're if you're definitely gonna really make it part of your living and not just a, yep. a, a side thing, that's um, especially every year. I feel like I notice that more and more, and I'm mm -hmm. like, no, no, this is the wrong direction for this to go. I don't like that. Coffee, at all. it dries you out. It makes you smacky. You want to put sugar and cream in it, which makes you like hyper and mucusy. So it's really, an attractive thing you're describing right now. Uh, and it's so pretty when it happens. Isn't it? Let's go back a little bit because um, some animation will come with a drawing on the yeah. audition, right? And yeah, some come without. Yeah. 
So can you talk about how it's different for you if you are given a character, uh, if you're given those sketches ahead of time versus if you're not? Um, uh, it usually uh, comes with a character description. They'll give you a drawing of the character and that'll help you decide the voice. Like, like say, here comes a teenage girl. Okay, I'll put her in my like teenage girl thing. But wait a minute, she's got braces. Okay, now she has braces. And it's the same layering thing. Oh, wait a minute, she's from Tennessee. Okay. Now she has braces and she's from Tennessee for crowning a sh So um, the picture helps in that aspect. If they don't give you the picture, like in a video game, you don't always get that because you're in session and they'll be like, okay, so you did this character and now there's this other soldier. So as voice artists, we have this whole arsenal of characters, this like wheelhouse of, you know, give me your Brianna of Tarth, give me your um, Maggie Smith, give, you know, your version of that. Because they all are very, you're, if you're going to build me yeah, and you're going to I would, love that, I would love to do a whole episode with Maggie Smith. Just do the right? Maggie Smith. Oh, yes, yummy, yummy, yummy. And so maybe they'll be like, oh, this character is kind of Maggie Smith, but she's four years old. Oh, so, okay, so we'll do Maggie Smith down here. Okay. So what you're saying is that that drawing ends up being your way into that layering of attributes and characteristics that we talked about earlier, that started with placement. Now you're just using that drawing as your way in or as a piece of that creative process. Yeah, and then there's also the opposite thing. You know, if they give me a giant hippopotamus that's green, I'll give them my giant hippopotamus green voice, which probably will live down here. But as a take two, maybe I'd want to do a very high-pitched whispery one because that's just what they're not expecting. And they never well, how, know. Yeah, so this is an interesting one. With auditions, how often do you send in multiple takes? All the time. How many multiple takes? When will you stop yourself? I usually seldom send in any more than three. Usually two. If it's very specific, then I'll just send the one. But in an audition, they will say, if it's a commercial read, give me two or three reads, different reads. And in that case, you dip into your acting chops and you'll give one warm, you'll give one snarky, you'll give one motherly. And in the case of animation, maybe I'd give them one, um, you know, with, with throwing in an accent, maybe I think might work for this character but I don't usually do any more than three. Seems, I mean, at some point it becomes a lack of a choice and just too much. And there's, you know, when you give 10, but three seems reasonable and two, yeah. yeah. You have to also remember that the casting director has asked 20 agents for their top seven people. Do the math, that's 140 auditions they have to listen to. And if I'm giving them three of them, are they really gonna get through all three? They might skip they listen to, I would say, the first seven to 10 seconds. So the first line to me is the most important. So when I'm working with someone, I'll work a long time on that first line because that's the one that we wanna keep that casting director's ear tuned in. We don't want them to lose focus and get bored. What I remember working on those first lines with you that I liked so much was that it, it didn't feel 
gimmicky. Like, let's come up with some really clever choice that will just get them. It really felt like it harkened back to all the acting training we had, which is like, what is your month before? What is your environment? And how can we really bring some honesty to that where we are just rushing right to dialogue? And I'll tell you, as an on-camera coach, that's my exact same strategy. I spend forever on the first moment because that's the beginning of your audition tape. And if you just start talking at me, the odds are I have not bought into everything that you are creating yet and that you are not right. using all the various things to tell a story at your disposal. And there's you a gotta, lot of- um, Immerse yourself in your what, when, why before the first word. And that means pre-life. So if the audition starts with, where have you been all day? Maybe it would be, um, she just walks in the door. What, honey, where have you been all day? So that, what, that, honey, that whole thing I consider pre-life. And most actors will see a paragraph and they think, oh, goal, bust through the paragraph. Forget about the beats. There's so many beats in, within each paragraph. And as, as, you know, as actors know, uh, humor comes, funny comes from different emotions meeting. From the happy meeting the sad, the um, insane meeting the 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 sullen. Rational, yeah, or something, yeah. So these opposites are what makes things funny, and you've got to find those kind of beats, and without leaving large spaces of of silence, because the minute there's silence, your listener's gone. Speaking of all that silence, how much editing do you do on your auditions after? <laughs> they all have editing, every single one of them. Um, some require more editing than others, uh, but generally I, I stay behind the mic until I've given everything I want. And then when I sit down at the computer, I'll know that I redid this line at the end and I'll move it to the beginning, wherever it lives. And I'll go in and I'll take out the smackies, the mouth noises, the pauses, the breaths, until the audition is clean, clear, and as short as it can be. Sometimes I'm listening back and I'm like, what was I thinking? No. And I'll have to pop back in the booth and redo a line and edit it in, which is another thing that in, in today's climate, Brian, you have to be as much a good editor and um, recordist engineer as you are a voice actor. So it's harder now. You know, we used to just go into the agency and the booth director would lay it down for us. They'd edit it. I never have to do that, but now I'm like huge editor. So what do you use software-wise? Are you Audacity, Twisted Wave? What do you use for all that GarageBand, Pro Tools? Uh, currently I'm using um, Adobe Audition, and my interface is an Apollo Twin. Um, I do. I started with Sound Studio, which is fine, but because I do so many singing auditions for these kids' shows, I needed to multi-track. So, you know, Pro Tools for me is a little overkill. Adobe Audition is kind of what I need. But if, it, if I'm just, you know, on vacation auditioning, I'll just use Twisted Wave on my iPad with a little uh, portable Shure MV88 mic. Speaking of mic talk, what are we on right now? We are on. Well, I I went to read on nine microphones with five different uh, characters. And 
That was 45 takes I listened to. And this one I'm talking to you on seemed to capture what I needed. It's called a Mojave MA301FET. It's an FET mic. It is a large condenser diaphragm mic. Um, people who work in commercials or have more of a smooth, deeper voice, they might have a different microphone like a Neumann or something that picks up more trouble. But as you can hear, I got plenty of trouble. I need something that picked up the lower end a little more. All about that bass. Yep. No treble. <laughs> um, yeah, people always want to know the technical stuff. And, and um, I think it's interesting. To, I, I love what you just called out of saying, my voice requires these things, and that's why I chose my mic. Because I don't think people realize that it's not just, um, well, do you get the level A, the B, or the C? You know, that there's actually, yeah. they do do different things. You so said part do. Of the, I did say do do. Thank you for not missing that, because we no. almost went right by that. Like way you know, too mature people. Not okay. Uh, sometimes I have uh, friends that work a lot in both um, animation and commercial, and they will use a different mic for commercial than they do for animation because of its quality. Like they might use a, a Sennheiser shotgun or something for their um, commercial and then go to a Gefal or something for the animation or um, a more of a large condenser mic rather than a shotgun just because there's more of a smooth sound sometimes in the commercial. Um, I'm not picky. I think for anyone hearing this though, the, the thing that I want you to hear between the lines on is that like, there's no substitute for time and experience. Like you're not gonna just know these things about yourself. You need to be in a lot of classes. You need to be in a lot of different booths. And these are things you'll learn over time and you will accrue that experience. And um, there's definitely some research about what mic you start with you're not gonna you're not gonna get the perfect mic the first time nor does anyone expect you to so don't worry about that piece the mic's not gonna book you if you give a great audition and it's a crappy recording they'll send you a mic they'll send you a kit but yeah. you're right it's it's all about the acting and the skill set and there's just so much more to it than I can do voices it's not really about that I know a lot of successful voice artists that just do the one voice. They just do the great. one. But they're great at it. Yeah. And it's organic. You know, I love talking about the craft, but I actually want to talk a little bit about business with you for a second, because I'm curious. Um, what's it like becoming the lead of a, of a mad, like a giant show? Does, <laughs> is it different than being the fifth voice on a show? Um, yeah. Yeah, so me, I think a lot of people want to be the lead of a Pixar movie, the lead of a, of a kid's series. Like, that sounds like heaven. Well, as far as um, speaking of Disney features, Pixar features, unless you're an on-camera celeb, it's very unlikely you're going to get an audition for that or cast as it. I don't get auditions for any leads in any major features anymore. I mean, the reason I was Jimmy Neutron is because that was back before they did that, right? And they wouldn't do it again if, well, they better use me if Jimmy Neutron comes back. But that being said, I'm, I do get leads in like Epis for Family. I have a number on of- Netflix right now. Yeah, yeah. And on uh, Tigtown, on Adult Swim, I'm the co-star on that. So- Helpy, right? Helpy? Helpy, that's right. He's so funny. It's a hilarious cartoon. Um, I think for me, I'd have to say it's a responsibility to be able to uh, represent it to, and nowadays 
to be able to uh, do your social media on it and to respond accordingly and to make sure that you, um, uh, I don't know, treat, treat it decently because it is a responsibility. It's somebody else's creation and all the attention goes to you, not necessarily the creator where it should go. You know what I mean? It's all like, how did you come up with that? Well, you know, I did my best, but really it's the creators and the writers. I'm just the actor. How many hours a week or like per episode would you be recording for? Uh, for Jimmy? They would have a four hour session once a week, maybe. And you might get it done in under four hours, but that was back in the day, Brian, when we all went into the studio together and recorded together, which That's seldom true. happens anymore. Are you ever on like a, an open source connect call or whatever with the rest of the cast or is it just you and the director? Um, it does happen. Yeah, where they will have you with uh, the whole cast. But I think in the interest of efficiency, it's usually done one on one now. But if it's a scene, I, I'm not sure how we're going to do it for uh, this next season of a cartoon I'm doing that I can't tell you yet. But I know there are scenes that we've recorded before between two people where they've had us in the studio live together. So my guess is they're probably going to have us both on Zoom together. And there's this delay that happens. So you have to have this beat. Like, you know, in voiceover, we don't walk on people's lines anyway. But now there's this extra little beat that has to happen. But you have to maintain that you know that little spot right before you laugh that that I'm making this face, which is like right before I laugh. You have to be able to hold it. It's like that the end of the Mike, Mike Myers movies where they, they hold the camera there just a little too long and the yes. spot smile fades and fades and fades. You just have to be able to remember where you are with emotion. It's like golden impulse. It's like yeah. it's frozen in time for a second and then you're allowed to like let it go. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Frozen impulse. Good. We'll use it. We'll use it. Uh, but like, so in the case of Jimmy Neutron, it was a personal responsibility being the lead, and it was a certain number of hours of self-care. Did any executive ever sit down and be like, this is what it means to be the lead, you know? You know? It's like, this is what we expect of you. And here's your media training, and here's your public. Like, is there a whole lead, series lead camp? No, uh, I've never no. been series lead camp, but let it be said that I am like uber responsible and I I usually don't do anything wrong. I know there are other people who like consistently show up late or um, I, I, there's some things some voice actors have done, not very many. We're all really, really nice, but there have been a couple people over the years that I thought of misbehaved and um, some of them get away with it. Someone, some of them don't, but I don't, I don't know. It's kind of, useless to talk about that because most voice actors I've ever worked with have just been kind and um, caring and considerate and I, I'm just so lucky how the heck did I fall into this business I like it so much it's so much fun it is, it is. Um, I want to ask you a couple if you have more thoughts on this feel free but I'm going to frame this as a lightning round just a couple questions give me your first impulse answer um, how how long should an actor wait before making their first animation demo? Hmm. 
I would say make your commercial demo first. And then when I make demos for actors, um, if they're already an established voice actor, I find it's easier to create the animation demo. If they're just coming into it fresh, I can't tell them how long it'll take. It might take two years. It might take 10 hours. It depends on the actor, really. So breathe into the idea that your reel is not an instantaneous thing unless there's a lot of training. Yeah. Um, even for on-camera actors, switching over to the skill set of voiceover is learned. So I do, I'm working with a really well-trained actor right now, but this is a new medium for him. So we've spent probably five hours, five different sessions so far, gathering materials, working on these pieces for his uh, animate, for his commercial demo, and we're getting there. And, and then there's a record session, maybe two record sessions, and then there's editing sessions. It takes a while. It's, um, I think it's much closer to, for on-camera actors, for an on-camera actor's demo. You don't create the demo before you start working. You have to work for it. You know, you have to get something that, you know, a, a beautiful demo, like the one that you'd really be proud of, that has all the credits and all the different characters that you specialize in. And, you know, for on camera, has a network TV logos or things like that. You don't just roll out of bed for that. Right. Um, you know, it takes years to get to that. And I think for animation, it's discovering those characters where they're truly yours. Yeah. Well, you make them and you find the ones that are strong for you, uh, you know, who can you channel? Can you really channel your mom, your great aunt Gertrude? All these people become characters that you can perform. So for a, a commercial demo or an animation demo, it's, uh, it's new stuff from the get-go. But as you work, you pull from your completed material, just like you do as an on-camera actor, and you insert that into your demo. Oh, that Kellogg's uh, Corn Flakes? I just made that one up. But this one for uh, Verizon, I really did that one. I'll, I'll swap them out. Yeah, that makes sense. How about the same kind of question for finding an agent? How long should you be one study or, or, or trying to book those early jobs on their own uh, before really bringing on an established agent? I'm, I'm having a little trouble hearing you. I don't know if uh, our connection is bad. Can you hear me now? But that, that water fountain noise is still going on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Weird. Uh, before, <clears throat> sorry, the question was, how long do you get an agent? Yeah, how, what's a fair expectation? Uh, a long one should be studying and working and developing. I can't say. I think if somebody is gets it and they're really great and their animation demo represents them and they're ready to, like, I tell people, if, if an agent sends you five auditions in one day, can you turn them around and get them back that same day? So that's a little extra piece of uh, uh, skills that you need to have these days. You know, if, it's, if you have to get someone else to record for you and you're not good at editing, you're not going to be able to perform the job of a voice artist, which is auditioning all day, every day. So uh, when you can do that, I 
tell people, you know, if you're already SAG or in a union, there's probably 12 to 15 top agents in LA that you can submit to, but you have to submit commercially first. Normally they won't listen to it unless you have a referral. Somebody who tells them, please listen to this person. You know, it's like on camera, it's a catch 22 and it is hard. So there's this other way in, which is they are, there are pay to play companies, places like Bedalgo, VoiceOver, uh, Voice, VO Planet, um, uh, Voice123. They're these companies, you give them 400 bucks a year and they send you auditions all day, every day. And you knock them out and see if you book. And people will be like, I've been doing uh, Voice123 and I've booked something every month. And they're all kind of the same. I keep booking this one kind of voice. Bingo! Maybe that's your strong suit. Okay, now you have these. You can redo your demo. You can submit to an agent. Oh, you're not union yet, but maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you'll book something through this agent that is union and you can get Taft-Hartley. There's no roadmap. It is uh, tough. But if, you know, if you live in, you know, some tiny city in New Jersey and you, you're not going to be able to get a Los Angeles agent, it doesn't mean you can't work. You can still do these pay to plays and audition all the time. And there's regional agents. There's agents in every city, you know, in Kansas City, Missouri, and San Francisco, and Atlanta. There's agents all over the place. But don't come in expecting to book a Disney princess. It's not realistic. It's, a, it, it's there's a learning curve. It's a career. And it's, uh, it's one that I think people don't realize how many opportunities in places like you're describing pay-to-play companies where you really can get actual opportunities and jobs on just a, it's like doing a minor league, just coming up that way. Um, so last, last little topic to talk about, um, because I know that we need to let you go really soon. Um, you have quite a presence on TikTok. <laughs> what, what, are the, what are the stats on this? Let's see. Today, I am up to, it's, I don't know how it happened, Brian. I really don't. My, my son helps me with the TikTok videos. I have 750,000 followers. I have 14 million likes. My last video is up to 1.1 million views. I don't know. I hope that we get to keep TikTok because I like having all those people like me. It makes me it's, feel good. You are a popular lady. 14 million people. If that doesn't get you a job, I don't know it can. It's true. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm getting emails you... from influencers now. They're like, do you want to be an influencer? What do I have to do? You have to hold this little piece of product up in your video. I'll think about it. Um, so what kind of videos do you do? Where do you find the inspiration for it? And has it been beneficial to your career or is it just a hobby? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily been beneficial to my career because my audience is mostly uh, girls from eight years old to 17 years old in the United States, which are the people that like and watch my cartoons because I don't know, that seems to be my audience. So I love them so much for following me. The videos tend to be like, um, have you seen me in this cartoon or this cartoon or this cartoon? And they're like, I didn't realize you did that. I love that cartoon or I love that doll. I had that doll when I was little. And then I have a couple other um, things where I'm singing or I have a couple characters. I have, um, I have the rich lady who has sunglasses and a hat and she does things like she's like the Maggie Smithy thing. And then I have another one that um, 
she wears overalls and a red bandana and she always contradicts the uh the rich lady so there's the cartoons there's the singing and then there's the characters and all of them send it to seem to do okay beautiful i love it what's your tiktok handle it would be debbie Derryberry. d-e-b-i-e-r-r-y-b-e-r-r-y same for insta same for everything well, you just guessed where I was going with that. If people want to get in touch with you, is Instagram the best? Is TikTok the best? Um, um, they want to check out our classes or anything. Um, my website, debbiederryberry.com, um, tends to have a lot of information. Um, if you just want to, you know, have some fun and watch the TikTok videos, you can comment there. I can't get back to all of them because I end up with like two to 4,000 comments. So uh, if you really need an answer. I also have a Facebook voiceover page and you can send me messages there. It's not that hard. There's just one of me. So you can get a hold of me. Most people don't have a problem. I answer my emails. Um, and I will put in the show notes your website and all of that stuff so people can okay. find out about your book and your coaching and all that stuff in one easy place. I'll put a link to TikTok. Uh, hopefully people already have it downloaded because apparently on Sunday that's not going to happen anymore. We'll find out. Um, but I do want people to know November. November. WhatsApp goes away, goes away Sunday. TikTok gets to stay till November if they follow some rules. Uh, uh, well, it, it's very exciting. And I hope that you keep your millions and millions of likes because who wouldn't want to keep being liked by millions and millions Me of people? Too. And I, I like talking about voiceover. I don't necessarily want to be known as the coach or the teacher. I do it because I love it and I'm good at it. But I, um, my favorite part is being behind the mic. So hopefully That's... I'll um, just keep booking gigs and doing voice work because it's my favorite. Well, and in the show notes will also be a link on your website. You have that link to all of your beautiful characters. You can hear 15 seconds and you can really see the magic that is this uh, 4'11 woman here and all the characters she has inside of her. It's incredible. Oh, so sweet, 4'10. 4'10. I gave you the extra inch. I gave you the extra inch because I was feeling generous. Um, Debbie, Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you're busy and you've got family and all sorts of work commitments. Thank you so much for coming on, for connecting Thanks with me, for, for sharing me. your thoughts. It's um, it's awesome, and I just had the best time chatting with you today. So, Brian, um, thank you so much for having me on the show. You're a great interviewer, and you guys, you can't see him, but he's adorable. Hi, Brian Norris. <sighs> That's it for the day. Thank you so much to Debbie. Thank you to Rebecca. Thank you for listening. I hope you have enjoyed our focus on on voiceover. We're going to do a couple time capsule episodes, uh, a couple great interviews that are kind of evergreen that I've uh, been sitting on for a little while. And then we'll be back with a new focus after that. So uh, listen for that, including one with our sponsor from the Headshot Truck, Brian Confort. Uh, please check out all our friends and sponsors John Rosenfeld Studios, Headshot Truck, Actor Salon Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts And uh, yeah, don't forget JRS Happy Hour Conversations I haven't even mentioned those um, We are on later today And uh, you can find all the announcements and guests On the Facebook group page JRS Happy Hour Conversations That's it for today uh, I can't wait to be back with you with a new episode Until then, stay, stay, stay safe Stay creative Resist fascism and see you all soon.